Come on. Hey, are you ready for the new sermon series, Summer Mixtape? It is going to be fun. It's going to be wild. I promise it's going to be great. But let's hold our Bibles up in the air and say this Bible blessing after me. Say, this is my Bible. God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I'm an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, every hindrance, through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open up my heart, I open up my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word, I confess this word, in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, listen, uh, today we are starting a new summer sermon series called Summer Mixtape. And so uh, each Sunday is going to be themed sort of after a song. And so today's uh, title for the sermon is Closed on Sunday. You know, it used to be um, not too long ago that Sunday was a day of rest, right? Like you would go out uh, maybe after church, the grocery stores would be closed, the gas stations would be closed, restaurants were all closed on Sunday. Why? Because uh, as, as a people, we reverenced Sunday as God's day. But over time, uh, many began to sacrifice the Lord's day for the sake of the mighty dollar. Come on, it is too costly to be closed on Sundays. It costs too much money to be, caught, to be closed on Sundays. Too much money would be missed out on. I remember uh, being young, about five or six, and my great-grandmother, we called her Big Granny. And Big Granny uh, loved to fish. Big Granny would fish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. She, listen, if it was raining, she was fishing. If it was sunny, she was fishing. But do not catch her. You would not catch her fishing on a Sunday. And, 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 and her reasoning was this. If you fish on a Sunday and you catch a fish on a Sunday, that's a devil fish. She said, you only catch devil fish on Sundays. You don't play cards on Sundays. You don't go to the movies on Sundays. Why? Because we are closed on Sundays. And Sundays, if, if you will, were a protest against the machine of consumerism that's prevalent in our culture. But somewhere along the way, the idea of Sabbath, the idea of being closed on Sunday took a back seat to consumerism. No longer is our life centered on God and his kingdom, but rather through neglect of the Lord's day, we have centered our lives around the consumerism of earthly kingdoms. You see, I believe that on this Independence Sunday, if you will, that we declare our independence from the culture by declaring our dependence on God and his kingdom. You know, sometimes in order to declare your independence from the culture, you have to make sacrifices that'll say, I am dependent on God. 
you know, working on Sundays. We might miss out on some money. But we declare our independence from the culture by declaring our dependence on God. And may this 4th of July weekend, we as individuals declare our dependence on God and independence from the culture. Like when, we di- when we prioritize God's culture instead of the world's culture, what is happening is we're showing that we are dependent on God and on God alone. That we're dependent not on our own resources, but on God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read uh, today for our main passage and, and use this main passage uh, sort of as the filter in which we see and talk about, uh, talk about the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, heavy, heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. See, Jesus offers us an alternative way of restfulness in the midst of a restless culture. That the culture of our day is restless, is, is, is trying to gain more and achieve more. And Christ calls us to an alternative way of living. And this alternative way of living is restfulness. You see, in the context of Jesus' audience, the heavy yoke that he would be speaking of would be Rome's imposition and taxation of the people for the empire's dominance around the world. That the heavy yoke that Jesus would be speaking of would be the 613 individual commandments that the Pharisees demanded their disciples to keep. That the weight of the culture of the day was heavy. And Jesus is saying that I'm offering an alternative way of life. It's not one that's going to burden you, but it's one that is going to liberate you. That it's actually this rest that the prophets have been speaking of for generations. You see, the demands of the culture are heavy and unbearable. The demands of our culture today are the demands to be a self-made man. It gets taxing. The heavy yoke to affirm the right things and to distance yourself from the wrong things. And you got to cancel this person and you can't cancel that person. It's exhausting. That the hustle and the grind of always having more leads not to a fulfilled life, but to a life that is filled with void and restlessness, trying to run the rat race of life. And Christ comes on the scene 2,000 years ago. And he comes on the scene for us today and offers an alternative to our restless culture. And his alternative is restfulness. You see, one of God's first promises in scripture 
And this promise is foundational to the Jewish and the Christian faith was the promise that God would give the people of Israel rest. That, that, that this idea of rest and, and Judaism is, is, is known as not only rest, but shalom. That, that shalom is not just a, a restfulness. You got a good night's sleep and you feel good today. But shalom is, is this, this overarching, everlasting peace that is in the future and that God is drawing all of us towards. In Exodus 33, God speaks to Moses and he says, I will personally go with you, Moses. Notice this. And I will give you rest. That when God is speaking to Moses to, 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 to go into the promised land, God speaks to him that the hope of the promised land is not just the milk and the honey and, and the land flowing with all of this good stuff, but, but the hope of the promised land, the hope that was ahead of them was rest, yeah. was this idea of shalom. Yeah. And as the people of Israel come out of the nation of Egypt. You see that God gives the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, God gives the fourth commandment, which is to rest and to honor the Sabbath. And, and the purpose of this was the Sabbath was given to there be a weekly rhythm in the Israelites' lives that through the Sabbath, that they would have this rhythm of rest, but it was also a testament of a future eschatological hope of peace from their enemies. See, Sabbath was a weekly discipline, but it was also a foretaste of the rest that was to come. And for us, when we practice this idea of Sabbath and we live from a place of Sabbath, it is not just about a weekly discipline of incorporating rest, but it is also a foretaste of the dependence on God that is yet to come in the hope of glory, the new heavens and the new earth, that, that there is a shalom that is ahead of us. And God spoke to, Mes to Moses and said, I will give you rest and it's no coincidence that now Jesus is standing to the crowds of Israel and he's saying come to me because I will give you rest Jesus is saying in essence that he is the embodiment of rest that Jesus is the fulfillment of of the Sabbath. And that what the Sabbath and, 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 and how the people of his time would, would, would try to list all of these commands. You can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do this on, on, on the Lord's day. Jesus is saying that's burdensome. And the fulfillment of the Sabbath, this true rest is only found in me. You see, to be faithful to the Sabbath is to be faithful to the lifestyle of Christ. To be faithful to Christ is to be faithful to his way of life, not the way of life of the culture. 
That, 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 that to be faithful to Christ is, is, is to say, I, I, I bow down before Jesus before I bow down to the idols and the things of the world. Yeah. That, that Jesus is my king and Caesar is not my king. See, this was revolutionary in this time of the early church. The early church would gather together and they would make this declaration that Jesus is Lord. This is heretical to the Roman society because there's only one Lord and his name's Caesar. There was only one Lord in Babylon when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Babylon. And that Lord was Nebuchadnezzar. And for the early church to gather and to say, Jesus is our Lord, is a protest against everything that Caesar stands for and everything that Jesus is. See, Jesus is showing us that in him is where we find rest. So what is this lifestyle? What is this discipleship? And the way of Christ look like that the way of discipleship into the life of Christ is to love God and to love others. That what the Pharisees complicated in the 613 commandments to keep Jesus would simplify into these two commandments to love God with all of your heart, mind, and spirit, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What Sabbath has always been about is refocusing us into the rhythms of God and out of the rhythms of the culture. That, 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 That we become so discipled, if you will, into the world that we have to create new rhythms and disciplines in our life to be discipled into the way of the cross, into the way of Christ. I want to look today at what Sabbath is meant to do to us and how, what it means to actually enter into the rest of Christ. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Sabbath is about God. You say that after me. Sabbath is about God. Now you say it. Sabbath. See, to understand what Sabbath is meant to the Jewish tradition and meant to the Israelites and and meant in their context, it's important that we first understand the narrative that surrounds the Sabbath. Like, where did it come from and, and why did it happen? And an understanding of the Sabbath, it doesn't start in the promised land. It doesn't even really start in the wilderness when, when, when Moses comes down off the mountain of Sinai to deliver the Ten Commandments, but rather the understanding of the Sabbath starts in Egypt. It starts with the system of Pharaoh. And the system of Pharaoh was one of exploiting the Israelites through their forced labor and demanding them to produce for Pharaoh. See, the idea of restfulness in the system of Pharaoh was foreign to the people of God. In Israel, 
is delivered by God from Pharaoh's anxiety system and brings them to the wilderness. And though Israel has left their oppressors, they've left Egypt, they've left Pharaoh behind, they have also left the ability to make a living. You know, uh, some of the story, they get to the wilderness and, and they've got no food. And then the people go, hey, weren't we better off over in Egypt in slavery and oppression? And weren't we better off under the system of Pharaoh? Weren't we better off there? Why is it that Moses brought us to the wilderness just to die? In Egypt, man, we at least had some food. And through this, we see that Israel is given the provision of bread, given the provision of manna from heaven. But Israel's not allowed to store this manna. In fact, each day they're to go and to gather what they need with the exception of one day, which is the provision made for the Sabbath. The day before the Sabbath, the Israelites were to gather enough food for the Sabbath, and if they held on to anything beyond this, the manna would rot and go bad. See, the Israelites had become conditioned to the lifestyle of Egypt, but God was reconditioning them to his way. He was reconditioning them out of the anxiety system and the restlessness of the Egyptian culture into his restfulness. And he did this by means of the Sabbath. He did this by means of creating provisions for them because what happens is Sabbath repositions us towards a posture of receiving instead of initiating. See, we live in a culture that, that, that to be important and to be valued as someone is to be an initiator, to be somebody that takes charge, to be somebody that makes something happen. Yeah. It's the same way it was in Egypt, that in Egypt, the livelihood was determined by what they could produce, what they could initiate. The Israelites, they get to the wilderness and they can no longer work and build like they used to do. What is it that God is doing through this to take a people and a nationality that are known for what they can make and now take them to a wilderness where they can't make anything? What is he doing? He's reconditioning them out of Egypt and into his way. You see, manna from heaven was nothing the Israelites could do in themselves, but was rather only something they could receive from God. And, 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 and the story of, of the Israelites in the wilderness and the story of God giving the law and the story of God initiating the Sabbath is actually God's way of telling the Israelites, I am not like Pharaoh. And many of us need to understand that God is not like Pharaoh. God is not like a president. You can't elect him. Come on, somebody. And you can't get him out of office. 
God is not like a king of this world. God is not like the systems of this world. The kingdom of God isn't a democracy. I don't get a vote in, 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 in what God wants to do. And God wants to recondition us out of the thinking of Egypt. And he's saying, I'm not like Pharaoh. I'm, I'm, and, 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 and these things distort your view of me. And I want to, 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 to let you know that I'm not like that. And Sabbath is about repositioning ourselves in a posture of receiving instead of initiating. That Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, hey, uh, just keep going on your own way, how you want to run your life, how you want to live your life, the culture you want to make up for your life. No, he says, come to me. One, One place he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is going, I got a cross, therefore you got a cross. That he's putting us in a place of receiving instead of initiating. Manna was a sign that this bread for life is not under the demanding governments of Pharaoh, but rather is under the sustaining rule of the creator God. You see, because wherever Yahweh governs as an alternative to Pharaoh, there the restfulness of Yahweh counters the restless anxiety of Pharaoh. The restlessness and the anxiety that the culture of the 21st century has put in you, God is wanting to bring out of you and give you restfulness as your portion. You see, we're accustomed to being on the initiating side of things. Well, I accomplished this. I made this happen. But God is wanting to reposition us from initiating and towards receiving his provision. See, God is your provider. Your employer is not. God is your provider. Your skill set is not. God is your provider. The government is not. And God wants us to be positioned in a place of understanding that that God is our provider. That, That he is the one. And what Sabbath is about, it's all about God. And it's about his way. Sabbath is God's way of showing that he is not like Pharaoh. Point number two is this Sabbath is about recentering our lives on God's time. See, there's a rhythm and a way in which it means to follow Christ. And it's not the rhythm of the culture, but it's the rhythm of grace. It's the rhythm of following Christ. And Sabbath, what it does is it honors God's way to love him and to love neighbor, which are alternatives to how the world wants you to make it. We live and we're being discipled by the culture from the earliest of age that that your goal is to go through school and then go and make it. 
And we're given a picture of the American dream that is a white picket fence and a beautiful house and uh, the yard where the kids can run in. And, and my American dream might look like one day on a lake. Come on, somebody. And, and we've got this idea of what it means to make it. That if only I can do all this stuff and I reach this point, then I've made it and I'm successful. And the world says, man, if you're going to make it, You've got to sacrifice some things. And sacrificing those things might be doing less for God and more for yourself. That if you're going to make it, man, you've got to look out for yourself first and not others first. That if you're going to make it, then you know, you, you, there's no way you can tithe because 10% has to go back into my investment for my future and my family and the college saving fund. And if you're going to make it, then, then you, you can't afford to serve your community on a Saturday by giving food away once a month. Why? Because how much money am I going to miss out on if I don't take that one more job? Wow. See, there's always going to be one more job. There's always going to be one more thing to accomplish. You see, the lifestyle of Sabbath, the lifestyle of Christ doesn't just, you don't just fall into it. You have to intentionally make it happen. Yeah. If you don't set rhythms up, you don't set boundaries up in your life, you will serve Babylon all the days of your life. And Sabbath is a way in which God refocuses us and reframes us and disciples us into his rhythm instead of the rhythms of the culture. Because when we practice Sabbath, what we're doing is recentering our lives on God's time. I'm thankful Publix didn't give me this Sunday. God gave me this Sunday. I'm thankful that Costco didn't give me this Sunday. God gave me this Sunday. And, and what happens is, is, is we've become refocused and recentered on the timetable of the world instead of the timetable of Christ. Now, let, let me... Uh, maybe clarify some things on the Sabbath. You know, Sabbath isn't uh, isn't isn't a vacation. Well, you know, I'm gonna get a vac- I'm gonna get two weeks vacation, and that's that's Sabbath, and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna soak up all this time and then just run hard the other 345 days of the year. Sabbath isn't a vacation. Sabbath is a rhythm of life. Sabbath isn't catching up on Netflix. <laughs> It isn't going, you know, it's Sunday, and Pastor Tyler talked about reprioritizing things. You know, so we're not going to go to church today. We're going to take the kids to the park. We're going to go out to the park today and, and just have some quality family time. I'm thankful that as a son of a father that raised us in a Christian household, it was church, then family time. I'm thankful that it was, uh, I was conditioned into the way and the rhythm of God. Instead of the way and the rhythm of the world. You see, Sabbath is recentering our lives on God's time. Sabbath is recentering our lives on God's rhythm. Sabbath is also this it's receiving Christ's invitation to restfulness instead of restlessness. See, the, the, the Pharisees had built up all of these laws of what it means to be faithful to the Sabbath. 
And Jesus says to be faithful to the Sabbath is to come to me. Jesus is saying, you, you want rest? You want, you want uh, the rest that the Sabbath speaks of? You have to come to me as the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And Jesus invites you out of the machine of our culture and into the provision, peace, and rest of Christ. You see, because Egypt can't rest, but Yahweh can. The Israelites had to understand the culture they were coming out of could never stop, could never rest. It wasn't, Pharaoh wasn't upset the Israelites were going because he liked them. He was upset because it wouldn't keep the machine of his nation going because he couldn't afford to stop and rest. That in order for Egypt to maintain its power and dominion, there was a need and a necessity to produce more. But for God, man, his power and his dominion is not based on what he can produce, but is based on who he is. See, Yahweh is not a workaholic. Yahweh is not anxious about creation functioning properly. Creation is not dependent on Yahweh's endless work. Creation functions because God worked and now he rests. See, when God created the world in six days, he rested on the seventh. Yahweh is a Sabbath-keeping God and desires his children to live from a place of Sabbath and a place of restfulness and not restlessness. It's about being conditioned into the way of God and the way of Christ and not being conditioned to the patterns of the world. Let me put it old school. Don't be patterned after the world but instead be patterned after Christ. See, Christ's alternative says you don't need to be a workaholic. The success of your life is not dependent on anything you can do and anything you can accomplish. It is the favor of God. Christ's alternative says that that one more job or that one more meaning, meeting is not going to be your big break so that then you can rest. Well, if I just make it, then I'll start incorporating the healthy rhythms in my life. Then I'll start doing it. See, God wants to recondition you out of the way of Egypt and into the way of Christ. But for many of us, We've gotten out of Egypt, but Egypt has never gotten out of us. We've been saved from the culture, but the culture has never gotten out of us. We still follow and speak the same language. We still do the same ways. We still think in the ways of the world. And we've gotten out of Egypt, but Egypt has never gotten out of us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 and 10 says, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest that is still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. 
For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Now, don't misunderstand me. Scripture also says in order to eat, you got to work. We're not talking about uh, going and being hippies on a compound somewhere and, and not working. We're talking about a rhythm in which God is inviting us to that our culture does not want us in. See, to the culture, you're better off as a mindless robot. You go to work, you go home. You eat dinner, you wake up, you go to work, you go home. You fulfill the demands of the culture. You bow down to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar has built. And Christ is saying, there's a different rhythm that I've called you to. Because it takes the rhythm I've called you to, to fully love God and to fully love neighbor. Like you can't accomplish these two commandments in the culture of the world. You can only do this by following me. You see, Moses couldn't give the Israelites rest. Joshua couldn't give the Israelites rest. David couldn't give the Israelites rest. But Jesus is the fulfillment and the embodiment of rest that God promised. See, the rest that God gives is not something that can be earned. It can only be received. And Sabbath is about recentering our lives onto God's time. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us are more conditioned in the way of the culture than in the way of Christ. Point number three, we're going to close right here. Sabbath is about refocusing our priorities towards others. So we read this passage in Matthew chapter 11, and oftentimes we think in, in our modern context when we read scripture, chapter 11, okay, that scene's done. All right, that's done. Chapter 12 is a brand new day. It's a brand new moment. It's a brand new conversation. But when scripture was written, it wasn't written by verses or chapters. Those were put in for our help to memorize scripture. But what's amazing is as Jesus says this, immediately into this, the discourse of the Sabbath comes up. And the whole context of Jesus saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, the context of that is setting the scene for what he is about to say and do on the Sabbath. Just pick up in verse 9 of chapter 12. Read to verse 14. Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. Jesus answered with a question like he often does. If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. He said to the man, hold out your hand. 
So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. See, the purpose of the Sabbath and the purpose of rest is for us to get into the rhythm of God where he's the center of our life so that we can prioritize our neighbors. The Pharisees had allowed Sabbath to keep them from people, to keep a a division between people. And Jesus says the purpose of the Sabbath is not to divide. The purpose of the Sabbath is to do good, to do the way of God. But when you're focused on building yourself, you neglect helping others. When you focus on on building your own storehouse, when you focus on building your own way of life, when you focus on you getting ahead, you're going to push somebody else to the side. And Jesus is inviting us out of the ways of Egypt where there's no time to help our neighbor because we've got work to do. And he's inviting us into the way of Christ. And we declare our independence from the culture by declaring our dependence on God and his kingdom. Because God is not like Pharaoh. God is not like Caesar. God is not like the rulers of our day. And when we are closed on Sunday, if you will, when we prioritize and live from a place of Sabbath, we resist the mindless business of our culture the mindless business of the culture that elevates the dollar above people the mindless culture that is for the event individual over against the least of these and Christ is inviting us to refocus and get back into the rhythm of Christ we stand together this morning. As you stand, can you just close your eyes and just hold your hands out like this in a receiving posture? And as you're standing, I believe in this moment that that we're just going to ask the Lord, say, Lord, I want this to be the posture of my life. God, I want this to be the posture in which I go about my business. God, I don't want my life to be more about what I initiate, but Lord, I want to be in a posture of receiving your grace. God, this day, give us our daily bread. God, this day, may you be the Lord of of our life. This day, may we receive what you have for us. May we not work from a place of restlessness, but Lord, may us work from a place of restfulness. God, that we trust in you.